0: Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, for the final time. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins, Therefore, when he, Christ, cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body. Hast thou prepared me? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will. O God, above, when Christ said, Sacrifice and offering, and burn offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He, God, God the Father, taketh away the first, the law, that he may establish the second the Lord, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, no more offering for sin. Father, it's such a joy and delight to think about the superiority of our Savior as we have now from this text over the last three weeks. We return to the text one more time because there is a clear thread line of emphasis concerning you, our God and Father. There is a clear thread line of emphasis concerning our dear Savior, God the Son, and as we will focus upon this morning, there is a clear indication of the eternal triune work of God the Spirit regarding all of this as we read of it this morning. Bless then our understanding and embrace, and for that we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. 10.15, Hebrews 10.15, whereof the Holy Spirit also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant. I remind you that it was a personal conversation in a highly secured location, and none of the three directly involved were surveilled so that we might know what was said and by whom. Yet, it was the absolute intention from the get-go that this most hidden conversation would be revealed, that you and I would know about it, and that you and I would be able to respond to it. Today, we return one last time to work in this text of Scripture that contains an embedded conversation that took place in eternity past among the godhead specifically we are informed of what god the son said to god the father and of what the father has said to the son before the incarnation and we are made deliberately aware at verse 15 of the written witness statement of god the spirit given to The text has a triune emphasis that takes our finite minds to the realm of the infinite. It takes our minds to places that they would never naturally go. We have, as it were here, insider information from the very realm of God. We have here clear information about the Father's will in reference to God the Son's willing work, which was then linked to, at verse 15, God the Spirit's word. Last week we considered the while and now of God the Son and the willingness of his work. Today we think upon the while and the now of God the Spirit. We've talked about the determinative will of the Father. We've talked about the willingness and work of the Son. And now we speak about the witness of God the Spirit through the Word. Again, I remind you that Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10 are a unit of logic and presentation concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. The 10th chapter is an extended section of treatment concerning the contrast between the law, Old Testament, and the New Testament, Lord. It culminates, all of it culminates in the truth of the greatness of our Savior, And the irrefutable fact that Christ's redemption needs no improvement, needs no repetition, needs no supplementation. The glorious truth of Christ is summarized in verses 12 to 14 is the specific focus of the faithful communication of God the Holy Spirit as is declared verse 15. In the upper room where Jesus instituted what we call communion or the Lord's table, our Savior taught his apostles of the personalized ministry of another comforter to come whom the Lord Jesus would send after his departure. The named Spirit of Truth. Would guide the apostles into all the truth of Christ, and indeed would show to the apostles things to come. John sixteen thirteen. Jesus then said of God the Spirit, as recorded in John sixteen fourteen, He the Spirit, Spirit of Truth shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Hebrews 10.15 acknowledges the witness of God's Spirit concerning Christ as directed to us. Verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. The text in John 16 focuses upon the witness of the Holy Spirit and anticipation as flowing to and through the New Testament apostles. The text here in Hebrews chapter 10 after verse 15 focuses upon the witness of the Holy Spirit as seen previously in the prophecies of the Old Testament prophets. And so, by bringing together John 16 and what Jesus had to say about the apostles, and bringing together what uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews has to say about the prophets here, Hebrews 10:15 and thereafter, uh, we can see the big and bold picture of the Spirit of God's witness through the Word of God, Old and New Testaments, concerning the Person and the work of Jesus Christ, the written Word of God. Was given us by the Holy Spirit. And He gave that word to and through Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles. So that, as the Apostle Paul declares it in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, the church of Jesus Christ is built upon the foundation laid in the prophets and the apostles. Peter tells us that the Word of God is Spirit-given, and Peter likewise tells us that Peter that uh, uh, the Word of God is Spirit-understood. It is the witness of the Holy Spirit through the written Word of God that we gain understanding of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The vast majority of preaching today about Jesus does not represent the Jesus Christ. Of the Scripture. The only Jesus we love, worship, and adore is the Lord Jesus of the Scripture. He who is the focus of the Spirit's Word, Old Testament, New Testament. People easily speak this time of year of church, people easily speak this time of year of Christmas. But to speak rightly of Christ, you must receive the witness of the Holy Spirit through the written word of God. There is no blue goose spirit. And the true spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. Here in Hebrews 10, 16 to 18 you have reference to an Old Testament text of promise and prophecy. That very same text was previously quoted in this same section, Hebrews 8, 10 to 12. Hebrews 8, 10 to 12, Hebrews 10, 16 to 18, quotes the same Old Testament passage. Both of those places uh, uh, in this extended section running from Hebrews chapters ten to, uh, 7 to 10, uh, comes from Jeremiah chapter 31. And we want to look at that prophecy again uh, in Jeremiah uh, 31 for a sense of its context before we return to this thought of the Spirit's witness as, uh, as seen here in Hebrews 10, 15. So Jeremiah 31, uh, if you'd turn there, please, uh, for just a quick moment. The first thing that I would say to you about Jeremiah 31 as I look at the beginning of the 31st chapter of Jeremiah's prophecy is that uh, it was a time uh, in Jeremiah's lifetime, a time of God's righteous judgment and fierce anger upon sinful Israel. How do I know that? Look at 3024. 3024. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he have done it, and until he hath performed the intents of his heart, in the latter days ye shall consider it. Uh, 30.24 reminds us of the context of this glorious prophecy quoted in Hebrews 8, quoted in Hebrews 10, uh, that we clearly identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, that glorious prophecy was given Jeremiah in a time of God's judgment upon the Jewish nation in a time of his fierce anger being revealed on earth. Thirty-one, one. at the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. When? When? Back 30, 24. In the latter days, ye shall consider it. And the promise is that in the latter days, Israel would be God's people, and all the families of Israel would be the people of the Lord. Uh, jump down, if you will, to verse 4. Again, I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again in the future be adorned with thy tabrets, and shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry. So God's clear prophetic witness to Israel, as written down in the Old Testament, was that uh, after a time of God's anger and judgment upon the nation on earth, that in the latter days they would consider their ways, and that God would once again be their people, and they would once again be they would once again embrace God as their God, and then Jeremiah thirty-one even tells us how it's all going to how it's all going to uh, going to come to be, but first look at verse seventeen where there's a clear indication, and there is hope in thine end. The word of the prophet to the nation of Israel was, uh, uh, you are in a time of tremendous trouble and conflict, and the anger of God is being poured out upon uh, you as a sinful people, but there is hope in thine end. Clearly, uh, the hope of the Lord is raised. And in verse 22, the hope of the ra- uh, Lord is specified. Verse 22, how long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. Uh, the Lord creates a new thing in the, lo- in the earth. Oh, yes. The Lord creates a new thing in the earth. What is it? What is the new thing created in the earth? Here it is A woman shall compass a man. A woman without a man, will bring forth a child. His name will be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And ultimately the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's the prophecy coming even before Jeremiah from Isaiah's pen. Here Jeremiah just says, a woman shall compass a man. And then you have, and then you have, after that statement that we might refer to as incarnation, uh, then you have uh, uh, in context uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, the deep uh, sorrows of, of sin and raised hope of the Savior, uh, you have this glorious specification of what God has planned. And just look at 31. 31, 31. And I'll read through verse 34. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the health of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward heart. And write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord. We'll stop right there. So, in content, then, back to Hebrews chapter 10, And verses 16 to 18, three of the truths of Jeremiah's prophecy are particularly restated and brought to bear. First of all, verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Now, the significance of verse 16 is, uh, is, is beyond my ability to state. But let me just point you in some profound uh, uh, indications of that verse. God's covenant called new is founded upon a divine gift And it is the divine gift of a new heart for all God's people, a new creation, a new creation. Uh, This new heart theology does not in any way destroy the Old Testament law, but rather it fulfills it, and you know that it fulfills it in the Lord Jesus himself. That's why Jesus said, as we shall soon study, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Nonetheless, the covenant that we know about from the Old Testament, verse 16, was written down of Jeremiah, according to verse 15, because the Holy Spirit prompted him. The same Holy Spirit that brought to mind the truths of Christ in full to the life of the apostles. The same Holy Spirit that now has so worked as to place in our hands the word of God complete. Prophets and apostles. Everything you need to know about Jesus Christ in the written down Bible given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And in verse 15, it says that he said these words before. And then he quotes Jeremiah. Were they Jeremiah's words? No. Were they God's words? Yes. What member of the triunity gave the words of the new covenant that you and I know of in Christ? Answer, God the Spirit. So it says 10, 15. 16 talks about the gift of a new heart. 17, and their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. God's written down promise is that the sins and the iniquities of the people in view shall not be remembered by God in any way against them. Well, knowing that God can't Just forget on what basis does God remember sins no more on the basis of the cross. When he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him part of the Old Testament promise, written down to the Spirit of God. It's part of the New Testament preaching emphasis, written down by the Spirit of God. And then, of course, you have verse 18. Now, where remission or forgiveness of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Well, of course not, since there is for the blessed people in view here, a complete remission or forgiveness, there is absolutely no need whatsoever for ritual sacrifices as those made under the law. Christ said it is finished, and indeed it is. The Spirit of God Through the word of God written, prophets and apostles witnesses to us the truths of Jesus Christ and there is not a better single summary of gospel Christology than those verses that immediately precede the information about the activity of the Holy Spirit of God in Hebrews 10.15. I'm talking about Hebrews 10, 12, 13, 14. Here it is. This is Communion Sunday. Listen to this. But this man, capital M, after he, Jesus Christ, had offered one sacrifice For sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he, Jesus Christ, hath perfected, completed forever it, no, them. Made holy. That would be us. That would be us. And how in this world could I think of you? How in this world could I think of me as being holy? I can't. that's why we have been made holy from out of this world and apart from this world. And we celebrate the incarnation and we celebrate the crucifixion and we celebrate the resurrection and we celebrate the ascension and we celebrate the intercession because we soon shall celebrate the glorification in Jesus Christ. Our best is indeed yet to come. Father, thank you for the listening ear. And help us now as we attend to the table set before us, prescribed, detailed, with meaning and purpose, in order that we might bring back to our minds the blessedness, the holy Redemption that has gifted us in Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we do pray, and for his blessed sake, amen.